Hello, I'm Lee West. I'm the Senior Minister of Rafa International. And before we get into today's discussion, I want to remind our new listeners that they can go to our website, which is rafaministriesworld.net, and there they're going to find a world of free information that will aid in thought-provoking ideas and also certainly foster uh, increase in their discipleship process should they be Christians. And I would encourage people to consider the Christian part above all other questions you consider in your daily affairs. Also there you can find books that can be purchased through Amazon that will give you much insight into facts of life and ways to approach and things to consider. Also there you can find, should you desire, a place where you can donate to the ministry and it will be a blessing to us and there's a blessing embodied in that to those of you who will do that. Uh, the work's going to get done. I just want to offer you a chance to receive a blessing. Okay, today, let, let me start with this, uh, like a heading on the uh, discussion. It, it would be that the United States educational system is a con. Next, they are desiring to possess your children. You need to understand that. The educational system is corrupt. It begins in kindergarten in many cases. In elementary school, they attempt to alienate parents from their children and from the curriculum. They breed adolescent confusions with their gender type of politics. And in the secondary educational facilities, they preach and teach false ideologies and gendered misrepresentations. When you get to the university level, where the mind is very active, they espouse social indoctrinations and group rebellion. They allow that on the campus. They pamper the young. They don't teach them and give them what they really need is expressive conditions of thought in the educational processing. All this is to promulgate foundational socialism and after that some type of demagoguery. It reeks of Leninism, Marxism, philosophy. And what this was subtle up until just a few years ago. Now it is flagrant. You can see it in almost every area of the educational system. The parents, to a great degree, many and sometimes in areas most, are ignorant. I don't mean that they're stupid. I mean that they're ignorant of what's happening in the schoolroom, of who's teaching their children, of the curriculum that's being taught. The parents, so some parents are clueless as to what is they're subjecting their tender-hearted and mind children to, that some are frustrated 
because they understand a little bit, but they don't know how to attack the problem. And then you have some who are fighting back. And those in this category, their agenda, not the, not the people who are fighting back, but the educational agenda, you fight back on that, your opposition is going to be enforced by arm restraints and subversives. Education is funded by deep-pocketed, power-driven, institutional subversives. They will go to the extreme, as we've seen on the news. They'll attempt at very best to crush opposition. They attempt to own the influential voices that are speaking to the problem, and they restrict and edit voices that have dissent. They pay subversive pawns to do their bidding on the campuses and in the streets. The late Supreme Court ruling on race, educational matriculation was addressed. They, they ruled on the, that, and they gave an opinion. Of course, it was split, and they de decreed that race may not be uh, considered in admission. And, of course, that, we would agree that that's good. And by making this ruling, they alienated a lot of their support because the left, those of the left, are acting insanely against this. Even even the person who sits in the Oval Office, Biden, he has spoken to this, and he, he, he's been divisive, and he has openly criticized the agenda, which he shouldn't have done. The, he further is dividing the, the court system from the people and the opinions from being respected. There were two justices that... I read after who wrote to, on the opinion. Uh, the, these were uh, Sotomayor and the Chief Justice Roberts. Both of these people, by research, have conceived biases. Justice Sotomayor, she said that today's decision exacerbates segregation. That reeks of a bias and that it ignores the reality of race. No, it, it addressed race. It put some proper restraints on out-of-control race interventions and intrusions. In her case, she was reared in a home where her parents were of formal education-oriented positions. So she would have been highly influenced by that surroundings. Her first registration into college was not her money. She was, she, she was admitted to college, her first college, through a scholarship. Somebody else paid for it. She, in her graduate work, she was a Princeton graduate in 1972 and a Yale doctorate graduate in 1979. We know the history of these. We know where they started. 
at their inception and where they operate now in the liberal agenda. We see by research that Bill Clinton nominated her to her first judicial position in 1997. So receiving his nomination would tell you volumes. And then her resume says that Obama nominated her for the Supreme Court in 2009. Enough said there, if you look at his life and agenda and what he accomplished and is still trying to accomplish, she never worked outside of government. She has never held a non-governmental job. She is liberally perceived biases present in her approach to life. She possesses a skewed perspective on racial inequities. That's an overview of her. Then we come to Chief Justice Roberts, research his background, and it was it was important to notice that he refused to testify to ethics questions to the Congress of the United States. He would not submit to that. And we've seen by the news that ethics is a real problem in the justices on the Supreme Court. They would quickly chastise you if you did some of the things that they're accused of doing. And Robert's opinions on race decisions, he wrote this on on one that they just decided on the Supreme Court on race. He goes on to say in in his dissertation on the opinion, a benefit to a student whose heritage or culture motivates him or her to achieve a leadership role or attain a particular goal must be tied to the student's unique ability to contribute to the university. In other words, he goes on to say, the students, the student must be treated based on his or her experiences as an individual. Well, let me take a a standoffish look at this. Most people going into universities, unless you're talking about select schools, which he came from, most average universities have problems, everyone. fact is, it's difficult there to attain tenure unless you espouse to the liberal agenda. You're not going to go anywhere as a unit, as a professor. But uh, Roberts goes on to say that benefits to that student whose heritage and customs. Well, few of those come from exciting heritage or cultures. Most of the students come from average, desired backgrounds. And they would have motivations to go to the university for a higher education, whether it be a him or a her. And their goal in going there, Robert says, is to achieve a leadership role or attain a particular goal. 
Well, that that can be that can be in, in sorely in question. Most students going there, I don't think personally that they're that they're there to be educated to achieve a leadership role or attain a particular goal. Most have no conceived total idea of what their goal is. If you question new freshman students and those applying, they don't know most of them. They have a general idea at registration, but most of them can't mentally look far enough road, uh, road their road to think about achieving a leadership role. Now, this, this can be true if you're, you're going to some elite schools where the tuition is up in the multiplied thousands of dollars. But that I don't think that's applicable. If you, if you search the mind of a, an average new freshman student, they're just trying to get in to have access to things. They do have goals in mind, but I think it's plural goals and it's founded on other ideas. I don't think most of them go in at the onset with a particular goal in mind. And then the, the fact that they, at matriculation, as Robert says, they must be tied to the, to the student's unique ability. Well, most of these students don't possess unique abilities. That's what they're trying to develop is a unique ability. That's why they're going to a university or educational higher facility. And then he goes on to say that that unique ability must be tied to contribute to the university. Isn't that reversed? Shouldn't the university be there to contribute to the student? Why would he go there? He wouldn't go there with the mind of what he can do for the university. He goes there what the university can do for him in preparation to maybe seek a goal or be prepared. And then Roberts goes on to say, in other words, the student must be treated based on his or her experiences as an individual. Well, at beginning college age, most of the students, they don't have a solid base of experiences as an individual. Most of them have been in, in group activities. That's been their impetus. So they don't understand their particular individualism. They're looking to develop that where they can stand apart in a discipline on their own, but they don't come into the program that way. But for Roberts to, to, to say this, as a matter of fact, this particular dissertation that he wrote here is almost verbatim to what he wrote when he was trying to matriculate into a Catholic school in a uh, high school type of an environment. He was reared in a wealthy, influential environment. He, too, has never held a grassroots position or job, quote, job. He's never had to labor as how to financially proceed should plan A not work. 
And maybe if plan B doesn't work, and I, most of these students don't have a real good plan B, except a menial something to fall back on that they would research. Roberts has never been forced by circumstances to capitulate. He always had a plan B in the back of his mind should things not work out for him. That's obvious by the way he approaches this particular situation. And again, the student, everything in the student must be tied to that student's unique ability, which I've said most students don't have unique ability. They have unique talents to contribute to the university. What a ridiculous statement that is to make to a person who's trying to get an education. Fact is, most matriculating students, those seeking enrollment into a financial institution, which all universities are financial institutions, when you boil it right down, they charge exorbitant amounts of money for the right for a student to to go there. Most students come there tethered to a monetary financial situation. You look at that, some of them come out with two and three hundred thousand dollars of of owed tuition. Most of them come into the uh, maturation process unsure of a backup future. Most of them change their discipline or program as they age in the educational program. If they last, some can't last because of finances. Some never earn a high-quality living in their particular discipline from which they graduated from one of these universities. They just, most of them never profit in a high-earning living by, by that particular discipline. In this area, most students have no extra energy to contribute to the university. Their energies are tied to, and their motivation would be tied to trying to study to keep up or stay ahead, not to how good they can fit into the tapestry of the university or what the university, what they can contribute to the university. And after they studied into the night, they try to maybe escape for a while and just contribute to a little bit of their well-being, maybe down at the corner with with some refreshing Coke or a sandwich or something with, with friends where they can just vent a little bit. These students come to the university with a need from the university. And when the universities lose that fact, they are espousing a, a falsehood. That turns inward and it reeks of some hidden agenda where the one becomes a part of the whole and the whole is the reason for being. And I, let me just say this, no university's formal format questionnaire can give a true diagnosis of a young student's life that is a work in progress and their mind which also is a work in progress. No student 
is prepared to deal with some of the things that they're presented with when they're 18, 19, or 20 years old. Their mind is not mature until much later where they can truly evaluate and make quality decisions. Fact is, the only criteria for registration to a higher educational facility should be, can they pay the tuition? That's where the requirement should end. First come, first served, who pay the tuition at the university when the college classes of that university are full, then they're full and and there's no more room. Then the student If they're trying to get in, they have to go to a secondary plan. This opinion that was written to and and law put into law by the court, by the Supreme Court, was done by, as usual, a split decision. You always get split decisions, depends upon who nominated them, and who to whom they owe their commitments, and how they can validate their reason being there, which is not, in most cases, their commitment to the Constitution of the United States and how to rule based on its provision. Fact is, my personal considered opinion on the U.S. Supreme Court is that Every argued question should require a nine to zero agreement. And everyone that does not meet that criteria, that decision should be returned to its state origin for dissemination. I got to say that again. That's my considered opinion. This country should not be ruled by two out of, by five out of four justices or by a ridiculous overflow of opinion. It should have to be a total nine to zero agreement. Otherwise, they, it's, they should refuse to hear it and refund it back to the state. By observation, I think the U.S. legal system is in bondage. It's in bondage at every level to, to flagrant justices, judges and justices. It's in bondage to the marriage of Law blended with philosophy and personal bias. It is blended by the denial of individualism. It, it tips to rule groupthink, force groupthink, set laws by groupthink. Everyone to some degree, violates their oath of office, which is to protect, preserve, and defend the Constitution of the United States. And by their sentencing, 
in most of their cases result in vexation sentencing. In other words, some of the sentencing, at, even especially at lower courts, when they give ridiculous, ridiculous sentencing of multiple lifetimes or multiple hundreds of years. I know this has been dehabilitating on the soul, so let me just say this. I don't really have a good way to, to end this today, but I will leave you with this. It'll mean more to the, the believers than it will to those of you who are non-believers. The Lord Jesus himself prophesied this. They will deliver you up to be afflicted and you shall be hated for my name's sake. Jesus Christ said he, his reason for being was he came in grace and truth. In most cases, in the, in the penal system and the judicial system, if you aspire to truth, it has to be corrected in the judicial process. But Jesus goes on to say, He that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. My addendum is some of the, what we're seeing in the penal system and in the court system, especially the court system, whether you're paying for a parking ticket, it has great, the judge there has great latitude. They, they give themselves the right to speed going home in their vehicle, but yet they'll send a shoe for a couple of hundred dollars if you speed in yours. They'll give the police latitude to make you turns, but they'll cite you for it. So there's a, there's a, there's a disparity because as we view those who attend the law, make the law, and then how they observe the law. I do pray that some of this will fall on fruitful ground. There is truth here. If you'll just listen to it maybe a couple of times, you see the intent of this ministry is to edify, inform, but mainly to disciple people toward the truth that's found in Jesus Christ. Lord bless you. Dr. West, goodbye.